Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. Goodbye, kids. We're going to miss you, but we'll see you in about 40 minutes. So, hey, let's, uh, let's get ready to receive the word of the Lord today. As we bow our hearts to the word, you ready to be transformed by the word? I'm going to make you say amen. Are you ready to be transformed by the word? Say amen. Amen. All right. The word of God is higher than your thoughts. The word of God is more truer than your most truthful statement. God is true. God is true. And so, Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus, into your presence, and we receive the renewing of our mind, the transformation of our heart. Fill us with your Holy Spirit in in the joyful expectation of your goodness and your coming. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, I have a question that uh, might date some of you. Um, I want you to raise your hand. It's just interesting. Raise your hand if you know who Popeye is. Not Popeye's chicken. Okay, how about this? Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you have no clue who Popeye is. You guys know who Popeye is? Wow, I'm surprised. All right. How about Charlie Brown? You guys know who that is. All right. Well, this will be interesting in second service. I, Popeye is kind of a lost art, um, but my mother loved Popeye for some reason. And, uh, and as a result, my childhood was filled with Popeye cartoons. And, and as I reflect back on those Popeye cartoons, a lot of them are like, huh? I remember being very confused by a lot of, not only that, the Peanuts cartoons. I try to this day to watch Charlie Brown and I'm asleep halfway and I'm like, he's got to be good. Anyway, if I just offended you. I do, I, Popeye the Sailor, but there's this, there was this one episode of Popeye the Sailor. I looked it up. It's from 1937 and it was Alibaba's 40 Thieves. It was a Popeye. Anybody know that one? Well, in, that, in this one, Popeye is trying to open a magic door of some kind. I can't even remember it all that well. It's just floating in the mystical realms of my brain. And he says, open sesame, right? Yeah. And this was my first uh, interaction with, uh, with open sesame. And, and, and it just kind of stuck with me. And I remember as a kid trying to get doors to open by saying, open sesame. Open sesame. Um, maybe this reference would be better for you. Gandalf trying to get into the minds of Moria. Who knows who Gandalf is? Raise your hand. I can't believe. Are you Christians? And you, all right. <laughs> there's a scene in uh, Lord of the Rings where they're trying to get into the minds of Moria, and there's a riddle, and it says, speak, friend, and enter. And uh, they're trying to figure out how to get in, and there was this magic word in Elvish, Belloc. I think it was Dwarvish, actually. Whatever it is, which magically opened the door. Um, we have started a series called life and death are in the power of the tongue life and death speak but what i'm trying to warn you here at the beginning is i am not talking about magical words i'm not talking about an incantation 
Open sesame does not open doors. Belloc does not open magic doors. It's not about magic words. I want to emphasize that unless you start to lean on some sort of a mystical magic wand waving thing. That's not how our words work. Okay? What our words do have power in. When, when, when Proverbs 18 says life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. It's not that your words are magical. What it is, is your words line, line yourself up with some truth. Amen. And my words can line myself up with the power of God and his truth. My words can also line myself up with the enemy and his lies. So my words aren't the power, it's what, what I'm aligning myself with. And when I speak something, it aligns my heart either with truth or with a lie. And that will set your course, that will destroy or build your life. Your words do matter because they, they bring you into agreement and alignment with somebody or something. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Also, other people's words only have the power over you if you allow yourself to come into alignment with what they've said. This is a, it's an important distinction here because people say a lot of nonsense to you. And I know as kids, we don't quite have the same capacity to reject or accept words that are spoken over us. And, and which is why as parents, we've got to protect our kids with our words. And we have to be careful what we say to other people because we're attaching things. We're, we're, we're causing them to align their brains and their thinking in a way. And it still happens to the best of us, right? As mature as we are, somebody rips you down, there's a part of you that's tempted to agree and think about that. I, I, I think I've shared this story before, but when I was a freshman year in high school, I told you somebody went through and, and wrote on every picture of me in the yearbook, fag. Um, because I was in drama, I wasn't like on the football team or anything like that. I, I was in choir, and I loved that stuff. Um, but as I, I, I was excited that this guy was going to write in my yearbook, which is great. And then I, I get it back, and I start to look, and it, and, and it, it hurt me in my heart. Um, and I, I, had, I had to do something with those words. It wasn't just sticks and stones can break my bones, and words will never hurt me. I had to counteract the curse of those words Amen. with a truth that I would rather align myself up with. Because the truth is like, well, well, I am into those things. Is that true about me? And you realize how many people's destinies are set on fire by careless and ill-spoken and demonically inspired words. Amen. Children of God, you have to counter-curse those words with the truth of the word of God. No, that's not who I am. That's not even biblical. And I had to dis agree and disassociate myself with that tr with that truth with that lie it wasn't a truth that was trying to speak itself over me our words are vital folks our words are vital today i want to show you and show us how to become gate crashers to words how to destroy gates because when that like when that guy spoke that over me it was a, a gate that i was being invited into words are gates that are inviting you places and we need to destroy and demolish these gates 
So we're going to talk about crashing the gates today and becoming a gate crasher in the kingdom of God. Sound good? Our words spoken can open and close all sorts of gates in your life. Not like Popeye the sailor, not with an open sesame, but like I said, with the agreement of my heart spoken out, it sets direction and it opens opportunities, it closes, it destroys things, and, and so we have very powerful uh, tools in our words. You have the power over your alignment, and therefore, you have the power over what gates you speak and walk into, and what gates you say, shut yourself. Smash that gate over your life. Jesus was a, a great question asker. You see this over and over uh, in the scripture. And I, I think if you spend any time with Jesus in prayer, he poses questions. Does, he, has, does anybody have this experience? He's like, what do you think of this? And he's almost baiting you into a confession of some kind. And I see him do this all over, all over in, in the scripture. And like when he says to Peter, there, when he rises again, he says, Peter, do you really love me? Now, Jesus knew, that, Jesus knew Peter's heart, but he was trying to bait Peter into a confession. Do you really love me? And Peter's like, well, of course I do. And then he speaks his destiny, feed my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? You just asked me that. But yes, of course I do. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you really love me more than all of these you know my heart. You know I love you. And he's like, feed my lambs. What was he trying to do here? He was getting Peter to open a gate and, and close a gate that had been spoken over him. When he denied Jesus, he opened a gate of destruction into his life. The, the opposite confession smashed that gate shut in Peter's life. He also did it to, uh, to the Pharisees and other people. He's like, hey, by what power does John the Baptist do what he does? And they're like, well, we can't say that. He was trying to bait them into a confession to out themselves in a way or destroy a gate in their lives. Jesus loved to, loves to ask us questions. Um, I, I, I remember one of the, one, this is funny, but one of the most profound times in my life with Jesus was in the stall at the Cedars restaurant in Ferndale. I'd gone there early in the morning before, when I was in high school, to go to school, and someone had graffitied on the wall a question. Jesus died for you. Ask him why. And, and I, 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 I just started to weep right there in the Cedars restaurant. And I'm like, God works through graffiti. I'm going to graffiti everything. No, I didn't. But, but what it was, it was posing a question for me to declare something. And it pointed me to somebody to talk to. Instead of just giving me the answer, Jesus died for you. It was, now you talk to him about it. And it pointed, it pointed me towards a confession. It demanded me to ask. The Lord loves to put us into a place where we can confess, where we can declare. Uh, I want to go into a, a, a section of scripture that I, I'm sure many of you are very familiar with. It's preached about all the time, but please try to fresh eyes it a little bit. Uh, look at it with some new eyes. Think about it. Let the Lord speak to you. It's in Matthew chapter 16. This is a... This is the moment where Jesus took his, his, his gang, he had his disciples, and they, they, they traveled around a lot, but he took them up to a place called Caesarea Philippi. I want, here's how I want to help it be fresh to you. Caesarea Philippi is, let's see, I have it written down, 25 miles from Capernaum, where they were kind of based, 25 miles north up into the, up into the hills. Um, 
That may not sound like a ton to you, but that's at least a 10-hour walk, at least a 10-hour hike to get up to Capernaum. So they didn't just happen along here. They, Jesus aimed for Capernaum. That'd be like me, the equivalent of getting in my car and driving down into California to Lake Shasta. It'd be about a 10-hour drive. I don't just happen upon that. I aim for it, right? Jesus was very specific about taking his disciples to this place, Caesarea Philippi. Uh, it, it actually, that was the name that the, that the Romans gave it. The name of the town was Peneus, or Baneus, but it was named after the Greek god Pan. Uh, and it was, it was a hotbed of occult. It was the red light district of its day. It was not a great place. Um, like I said, uh, I'll take you there in May if you want to come with me. Uh, we won't do any occult practices, I can promise you that. But, but here in, in Caesarea Philippi, there was this place called that they called the Gate of Hades, the Gates of Hell. Because they believed that this was the place that the god Pan was born. God Pan is the, I think I have a picture of a, of a, a that, that's, that's Caesarea Philippi. That's the gates of hell right there, so be very careful. Um, you might fall in. But uh, show me the, I think, did I put a, a picture of Pan? I might not have put it in there. That would have been on me. Anyway, he's that goat god. He's got little horns, and he played the Pan flute and all of this. They called him the god of the shepherds and the god of panic, because when the sheep would get panicked, they'd fall over. I do want to say this as a side note. Um, panic is a partner with fear and a partner with a demonic activity. Not that we don't have moments where we panic, but it's what we do and what we come into agreement in that moment, right? Panic can be a, a, a destroying... Yesterday, Tony and I can tell you, we, had a, we, we were in charge of a funeral here, and, and 25 minutes before the, uh, the funeral it was going to happen, the, the bulb in our projector, boom, blew out. And uh, the, the, the son had spent so much time making this beautiful video there was a, all the music was connected to our to our computer there was another video a picture and all of these things and I'll tell you Tony and I can attest panic hit us right then and there and in that moment you're kind of frozen and this is what panic does to you you freeze and and you have to make a decision do I fall over and just panic and freeze like the sheep or am I going to go and do something and so I'm like we just got to start. I, don't, I didn't have a full plan, but I'm like, let's run. We ran and grabbed a TV. We're, we're running cords. We're doing things. And like, it was literally two minutes before things, we had a TV up here and we got things to work. It's much harder than it sounds, folks. I just want you to know that. <laughs> but it really is. And then, and then I have to get up here right after, I, after all this. And I'm like, welcome to... <laughs> what we partner, the panic wants to destroy you. That's a side note. You have to step aside from it and not partner with it. I'm telling you, emotions come. It's what you do in those moments. Are you going to partner with that in your, in your words and in your actions, or are you going to crash that gate? Um, how did I get off on that side note? Okay, so you go there. there it, it, this place, the gates of hell, there's, this was a nasty place. Uh, they believed, they, they would sacrifice and have intercourse with goats at this place uh, in order to, to, to invoke fertility in their bodies, to invoke blessing on their crops. All of these terrible, terrible things and much, much more. If you look above there, there used to be actually had a temple built out there that's all fallen down. But they would throw bodies in, human bodies in there to, to die to see if that the God Pan was going to be happy with them. And, uh, and, and if blood would come out of the river... Then the sacrifice was not accepted. If they never found blood in the river, oh, clearly he's, a, he's happy with our, 
with our sacrifice. I'm just trying to paint a picture of what a nasty place this, this actually was. And, uh, and so Jesus, instead of avoiding it, he, he marches his crack squad, his disciples. His, uh, he's got three years with these guys, and here's where he's, he takes them here, to Caesarea Philippi. Um, and, and it's not like this place called the Gates of Hell was, was unknown. It'd be like going to San Francisco, and you know the, gate, the Golden Gates there, right? So it wasn't just he was happened to be there. This is the reason he came to this place. I'm sure there was more, but the Gates of Hell were right there. Um, now, I can tell you as, for a fact, you, can, you could climb into that cave now. If, you'd probably get arrested by the Israeli government, so don't do it. But, uh, but you're not going to find yourself in hell. It's just a cave. There's some water in it sometimes. But what I align myself into agreement with is the important thing here. So Jesus takes them here, and, uh, and he, he poses a question to them. And this is where we get Jesus the, the question asker in this, in this very uh, profound place, 10 hours north of their, their main hub. And he gets there, and it says this in Matthew 16, verse 13 through 19. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, that's all fine and good. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Notice how he uses his first and last name. Well, his Barjona means son of Jonah, which was Peter's dad. He's getting formal with him. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter. He's speaking now a declaration over Peter. And on this rock, Peter means rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I, that would have been a good day for Peter. <laughs> I mean, you're standing there by the gates of hell, and Jesus is like, the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, now uh, some, some denominations take this, oh, Peter is the head of all the church. That's not what God's saying here. The church is the important thing here, and we're a part of it. And so when Jesus is saying this to Peter, are the keys, they're given to you, the gates of hell will not prevail. He's talking about us, the church. And whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever we bind on earth. This is a powerful thing. The life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can loose some things in, in the earth with your agreement with the Father. You can bind some things. Our job is to look into heaven. What is God doing? And then say, I agree with that here. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's where my eyes are. I bind, I bind what's going on here in this realm. We loose the spirit of God. We loose the truth. This is the power of the people of God when you come into alignment with Jesus Christ and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Ooh, it's good. It is good. Now you have to think about this a, 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 little, a little differently because gates can't actually attack anybody. Like, 
we are in a battle, right? We're in a, a spiritual battle. It's not against flesh and blood. But Jesus says the gates of hell can't prevail against it. When's the last time a gate attacked you? Think about it. Like, it's an interesting statement. Like, you just avoid a gate and you're fine. So what's Jesus saying here? Uh, I will, and, and there's probably more to it than I'm going to give it today, but I want to look at it from this unique perspective. A gate is an entry point, almost a temptation, if you will. Um, I, I have a picture of me outside the gates of Disney World. Bear with me here. I know some of you, are, some of you would be running the opposite direction, and that's fine. But like, when I get to Disney World, if I don't have a ticket there for that day, I still want to walk by the gates. John and I, I don't know if it was seven years ago, we went to a conference in L.A. We didn't even go to Disneyland, but I'm like, we got to at least stop and walk by the gate. And I'm, like, and I'm just gazing longingly into the gate. I'm like, why? Like, oh, I want to go in there. It's like, the gate can't do anything to me, but my heart position toward it can. And so I'm like drawn to that gate. I want you to think of the gates of hell as something different maybe than we have in the past. The gates of hell are an invitation to trust something other than the Father. Why? You think of it this way. You got, you got the, the gates of hell here in Caesarea Philippi. Why on earth would somebody throw a human being in there to offer a sacrifice? Why, why on earth would you do atrocious things with and to animals in order to, because your heart is like, I just, I want my crops to be blessed. I can't have kids and I want to have kids. I want my finances to be blessed. I want my life to be, and so your, my heart, I got to try something. And the gates of hell are like, try this. Try this. Trust this. Trust Pam, trust whatever it is. And, and, and the name of those gates, they change all the time. Try, try a, whatever this, try drugs, try whatever it is. Pick your gate. Try pornography, try, what, what is it the gates of hell are calling out to you to trust in? And so when Jesus looks at Peter, and he, he's like, on that confession of your faith, you said, I'm the Messiah. I'm the, when you will confess that, the gates of hell cannot even come close. If you will put your full trust and full confession into Jesus Christ, the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. No matter, there's no temptation that has seized you, except which is common to man. The God is always faithful. He will always provide a way out when you are tempted. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Here's what happens, though. I stand at the gate too long still looking at the Disneyland gate. I really want to go in. The Disneyland gates don't tempt me when I'm, when I'm not near them. But when I drag John and I'm like, look at the beautiful lights. John's like, let's go eat sandwiches. <laughs> we totally did. We went and had some sandwiches. The gates of food were tempting him that day. And we caved in. All right, no, I'm just kidding. When I stand there at that gate, what do I do in the face of the gate of hell? I have to make the confession of Christ. No, that's actually not what fulfills my heart. Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the only way. And I confess it. I do it out loud. And the gates of hell shut up and you crash the gate. We've got to become gate crashers. You've got to become a gate crasher. 
our confession will align us with Christ. Now, when Peter made this confession here at Caesarea, did it close the gate of promiscuity and the gates of uh, all the atrocious things that were happening in that place? No. But it did close it in Peter's life. It did smash any temptation there for Peter based on his confession. When we get you up here for water baptism, we, 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 want, we, we do it on a confession of your faith, we say. Which is why we have... Would you, would you like to share your testimony of your faith in Jesus? And if you're nervous, we'll be like, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. That's a confession of your faith. Our confession, our confession, our confession matters because it aligns us with somebody. And then our words have power and it crushes gates in your life. It crushes gates in our life. Gates can't attack you. They can only tempt you. Now, before you can take a city, back in these days, a gate was actually a very important part of a city. Like, that, that's, where the, the, uh, that's where all the fortress happened. Your gates, you come into a, if, you, if you come into an ancient Israel or ancient uh, town, you walk in through one of the gates, and you walk in like this. Walk in here, turn left, walk in here, turn right, walk in here. And it's all walled in. Now, they have literal gates that shut, but this, the reason they do this, because a gate was a strategical spot, you'd, come run, you'd, you'd bring your army in like this, they're shooting at you from this way, it, and it funnels you in, and there's their first line of defense. So a gate is a strategic point, and it must be crushed in your life. If you leave a gate open, you're constantly going to continue to be, oh, maybe I'll go in there. That's why the first thing that you attack and destroy in any stronghold is the gate. Once the gate's crashed, the city's open for taking. We are in a war. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us. We have to shut and destroy, first and foremost, the gates of hell in our life by the, by the confession of our faith in Christ Jesus. Gates need to be crashed in our, in our society today. It's got to start with me, and it's got to start with you before it overflows into a societal crashing of a gate. I believe we do have the authority and the power to bind and destroy gates over our society and our culture. But we got to do it first with us. We got to become people of the confession of our faith, of a standing on the, on the rock and the word of God only. There's always a way out. And I want to I show you quickly here how Jesus modeled the way out. Another section of scripture that I'm sure you're very familiar with. Jesus was tempted by the gates of hell just like us. In every way, the Bible says. And he models here how you crush a gate in your life. So we're going to flip back to Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 through 11. Jesus had literally been fasting for 40 days. And he goes out into the wilderness, up into the desert. And, uh, and, and, and this is the scene where the tempter comes to him. Where the devil comes and offers him some wonderful things. Now, I want you to notice that, that uh, well, let's read it first, then we'll talk. It says this, Matthew 4, verse 3. And the tempter came and said to him, if, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. It's so simple. If you're the son of God, like, like he poses it in, the, like, we think the enemy's going to come and be like, here's bread, you want to eat it? You want to eat it? <laughs> 
oh, put it, no. He's like, yay. He's just trying to throw a little confusion to get your heart to align slightly different than the truth. Like he's, he even throws some truth at Jesus to get Christ's heart even to align with his instead. To come, he's just simply trying to subtly get Jesus to come into an agreement with him. Because you tend to worship and gravitate and enter through those gates that you agree with. And so he's doing it very subtly. And yes, there are times he comes at you like a flood, but I know in my life it's mostly these subtle, hey, if, you know, is it really how it is? And, you, and, and when I don't combat that, and Jesus is going to show us how to do that, and you know, he says this, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, this is Jerusalem, and set him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if, if you're the son of God, just throw yourself down. And now he's going to even script, uh, throw scripture at Jesus. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you. Doesn't the Bible say that? It does. But Satan's simply trying to align an agreement with him. A perspective with him. Jesus answers and he says, uh, or excuse me, I'll finish up here. He says, uh, he, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said to them, all these I will give you. You'll just fall down and worship me. He's getting to the meat of it. I just, I just want your heart toward me. Align yourself with me. Agree with me. I'll give you all the things that you actually are looking for. I know what you're aiming for, Jesus. You want, world, you want the world. I can give it to you. Just simply worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. I know this isn't brand new revelation to you, but it took the confession of the truth of the Bible for Christ to overcome temptation. How much more you? We try so hard. Oh, I just, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. The more you say, don't think of a pink elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant. Are you thinking of a pink elephant? What did Jesus model? I'm going to declare the truth of the word of God. I'm going to make a different confession. Because our words and our confession align our hearts. Jesus didn't just be like, I don't want to eat the bread. No, I'm not going to do it. Nope, I know I can, but I won't. He quoted his father. He quoted the word. Every time, Jesus made a confession because he wanted his, his truth, he wanted his heart, his destiny to align himself up with the word of God. And with that confession, Jesus crashed those gates of hell that were coming against him. No temptation has seized you. Folks, I know 
Maybe we all have unique temptations and all of that. I'm not telling you to fight harder. I'm telling you to align yourself with the confession of your faith in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you to take that word of God and you should have a list of memorized words that you know I uniquely struggle with this. So I'm going to find the word of God over my life and speak that. So when the temptation comes, I don't just go, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. I'm like, no, the word of God says that I am the head, not the tail. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to slum myself like that. I am created in the image of God. Oh my! You start to confess that over that you, you would never do the things that the gates of hell are trying to call you into. And so, upon the confession of your faith, you will smash every gate of hell over your life. On the confession of our faith, we will begin to smash the gates of hell over Whatcom County. Over, over our media, over Hollywood, over our nation. There's some gates of hell. They can't do anything but say, come on. Come on in, the water's fine. But if I say, no, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. It's a matter of power and the Holy Spirit. Amen? The gates of hell. Folks, when Jesus, oh, I could go a hundred ways here and I've got I to gotta rein myself in. You're feeling lonely. And that, that, that depression comes calling. No, my God says he'll never leave me or forsake me. I don't try to work myself out of the emotion. I just start to, to confess myself into the truth. The Bible says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. So, so often, we get so sidetracked trying to fight the enemy. Like, the Bible says, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemy. You don't just, you don't just, but here's what we do. Instead of eating the feast of the word, of the truth, of the confession of our faith, we start to, oh, we're going to be the devil punchers, the demon kickers. Oh, I'm going to smash, he's under my feet, I'm going to kill him, I'm going to kill him, listen. That's all well and good, but that's not going to do a whole lot for you. What we'll do is the confession of Jesus Christ. He's going to crush the devil under his feet. We need to turn our attention off of the battle and onto the king of kings. We need to turn our attention back to the banquet set before us instead of the battle out here. Or do I not believe that there's a banquet prepared for me in the presence of mine enemies? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Are you fearing evil? Well, stop. (laughs) But the emotion's there. I know that's there. when, When the bulb goes out, we all panic. But now I've got to make a different confession. I've got to turn my gaze to the king. I've got to turn my vocal cords into the confession of my faith. Turn my eyes on Jesus. Confess my my faith in him. Oh, he'll never leave me. He hasn't lost. We haven't lost yet. And we never will. He is victorious. Get yourself a list of of the scripture. Feast on it. Feast on it. You'll experience the power. You'll experience the power.
All right, I want to end here. And we're going to take communion together. And Tanner's going to lead us for the first time. And his, it's going to be great. Stephanie, I'll actually have you come up uh, now. So here we're, I'm going back to Matthew 16. This was our text for today. This is where, where Peter has the greatest day of his life. I, well, it may have been. But I'm telling you, if I'm standing by the gates of hell and Jesus starts to declare, he changed, he, Andrew Josiah Fock, oh, you got my attention. That's my full name. Simon Barjona, now you're Peter. The rock. Like, oh, what a good day. It was a good day. Good confession. Great job, Peter. You confessed correctly. Two minutes later. <laughs> We're going down to six, Matthew 16, 22. Jesus is just telling them, okay, guys, so now I'm going to have to go, and the Son of Man's going to be betrayed. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die, all of these things. And the same Peter, the rock, he goes, Peter took him aside. This is in the, this is in the Bible, Matthew 16, 22, and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from me, you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter, and he said, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. I'm not trying to leave us on a downer note. <laughs> but Peter the Rock, who made a great confession, immediately turns and makes a stupid confession. Why, why did Jesus call him out in such a hard way? Because Peter, in that moment, like, he's the rock. The kingdom's going to be built. Peter is excited to see the kingdom of God. And then Jesus is like, and by the way, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed. And Peter, without giving 10 seconds thought to what the Son of God just said, instead comes up with his idea and speaks from the humanistic point of view, never will that happen to you. I would never allow it. And he makes a confession, not based on his faith, but based on what he wanted and what... And, and, and his humanistic desire. And as a result, he gets, he gets called a pretty natural. That'd be a bad day. Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. What? I thought it was your Peter. Why, why is he getting such a harsh, harsh treatment here? He just learned a lesson about the confession of his faith. And instead of that, he just now confessed his humanism instead of faith. And Jesus is trying to show you just how big of a deal the confession of your mouth is. And I just want to challenge us, how often do we go about our lives living in almost a, almost a I, I know we all believe in God, but we're almost living in a practical agnosticism, a practical humanism, a practical atheism, if you will, and we live our everyday life, God's not even in the equation. Something comes up, I don't even think about what God would have to say. Oh, i got to solve it like this, this, and that. I don't take 10 seconds to say, well, God, help me through that. Like, I'm not trying to make us feel guilty, but I'm trying to help us understand God is the king. He's the solver. He is real. And upon the confession of your faith, no weapon that's fashioned against you shall prosper. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you if you will confess in Christ. The good news is, 
we're a lot like Peter, and we, we're like, woo, and then, uh, and we, we mess up, and we, get, we have great successes, and as long as we keep coming back to Jesus with that confession, oh, God, I was wrong, forgive me. Jesus, I love you. I mean, I can tell you for a fact, like, I, almost daily, I do and say things that I know don't align with what G, would glorify Jesus. My heart condition, I, like, and, and I, but every day when I get to the word, I'm like, oh, Lord, I love you. I'm so sorry. He's like, oh, way to go, rock. He's, he's, he's so quick to forgive. Lord, I just, I love you. And he's like, I know you do. So Stephanie's just going to lead a little bit here, and then Tanner's going to come up and lead us in some communion to refresh, realign, and use this time to crush some gates of hell over your life. Use this time to open the gates of glory in your life. It'll change upon the confession of your faith in Christ Jesus. It'll set directions. It'll slam shut the gates of hell over you. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight. Oh, and I believe you've overcome and I will lift my song of praise for what you've done. I believe and I This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight. Oh, this is how, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight. Oh, and I believe you've overcome. I will lift my song of praise for what you've done. I believe, and I believe you've overcome. I will lift my song. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This 
is how I fight, oh, this is how I fight my battles, this is how I fight my battles, this is how I fight my battles, this is how I fight, oh, I speak your word over my life, I speak your word over my life. I speak your word over my life. This is how I fight. Oh, this is how I fight. I speak your word. I speak your word. Oh, I speak your word over my life. This is how I fight. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find. Like Pastor Andy said, we're going to be taking communion this morning. Um, if you don't have your elements, raise your hand and we will have our ushers um, come get those to you. So as we take communion, um, I just want to remind of what a special, remind us of what a special um, thing this is, right, that's so available to us. And um, as God, as Jesus went with his disciples and they uh, had their Passover meal and they were eating and he, he passed the bread out and he said, um, take this bread. Um, sorry, one second. So as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. As we take this today, let this be, let this be our confession of what Jesus did on the cross, that whatever we're going through in our life is covered. Whatever we're walking through, whatever lies are being thrown at us, that God... Jesus took care of it on the cross, that his body was broken, his blood was shed for us, for every individual, that he saw what we went through and he said, this is me breaking that gate on this cross right now. I am breaking the gate of hell for you. I am, I am washing you over in my truth and my blood, that it is already broken, it is already, it is already crushed for each and every one of you. So uh, open your bread. And I just want to, I want us to come into a confession together. So uh, just repeat after me, and we're just going to say a prayer of confession of, of who God is and, and what he did for us on the cross. Jesus, I thank you for this bread that was broken for me. 
God, that it, that it resembles your body and what you did for us on the cross. We confess who you are and the sacrifice that you made for us. You can take the bread. And we open the, the juice that represents Jesus' blood that was shed for us. And repeat after me, we're gonna, just gonna confess again. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us, that covers all of our sins. We confess that we are covered by the blood. And we proclaim that today and we proclaim who you are. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, for what you did for us. God, that you are still moving and working and that you are crushing the gate for us like you did for Peter. We thank you for the power that we are given in our words and we just thank you that, that you will walk with us this week every single day and just remind us, God, remind us of the power of our words and that you make it available for us to crush these gates and you give us the power um, to crush these gates in our lives, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, this was an awesome message this morning, an awesome practical message, uh, that a reminder that every single day, um, whatever we're walking through, we have the power in the Bible, the scripture, the truth of Jesus to break these gates in our lives. Uh, so have an amazing week. Um, I wanted to say uh, that a member of our staff has a birthday coming up. My mother... So a wonderful happy birthday this week to Angela Steele. Um, and just have an awesome, blessed week. You're dismissed. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.